Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to all of you here in the room and those of you at home. I, I mentioned about 10 minutes ago, we're having some technical difficulties. Apparently that power outage that we had uh, middle of the week on Tuesday night, we were without power for several hours. Wednesday we came in and a lot of things weren't working, but we hadn't turned on the TVs and the streaming stuff and all of that to check that. And this morning we realized, oh, yeah, none of that's working. So uh, those of you at home, you can see us, I hope, but, uh, but none of the words for songs or any of that's going to be out there for you. And, uh, and those of us in the room, we can only make that TV work. So I apologize. So hopefully we can have all that stuff fixed by, by next Sunday. Uh, but when we gather, no matter what's going on, we like to begin with this greeting Christians have been using for a long, long time. The Lord be with you. Thank you. Uh, he really does meet us right here in the middle of our mess, and I am grateful for that. So let's bow our heads and let's pray to him as we begin. Thank you, God. Thank you that whatever goes on around us, uh, you are here, you are with us, and we can know your presence and your grace and your love. Um, we, get, we come to depend on all these technical things, and, and uh, yet there are Christians gathered around the world today in homes and under trees and all sorts of places worshiping you, uh, connecting with the God who made us. We don't depend on any of this tech gear to connect with you, God. Uh, you are right here with us, connecting directly to our hearts, to our minds. And uh, God, I pray that today you'd help us to be open to you, open to connecting with you, to hearing what you would say to us, and, and helping us to be honest with you, God, about all the things we bring with us into this time of worship, that we can offer all of ourselves to you and receive from you the grace and the help that we need. So would you meet us, God, in the songs that we sing, in the prayers that we pray, in the scriptures we read, and at the table of our Lord Jesus? Might we connect with you, the God who made us and loves us? We are so grateful. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you're able and interested, let's stand and let's sing as we begin. Trusting in his grace this hour, are you washed in blood? 
based on Psalm 139. Um, so I'd like to read some of that psalm for you that's not quoted in the, in the song, starting with verse 13. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Search me and you know me You're familiar with all my ways You have placed your hand upon me Such knowledge I can't attain Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I make my bed in the depths Or if I go up to the heavens You are there If I rise on the wings of dawn If I sail on the dark side of the sea You who are there 
Spirit Where can I flee from your presence If I make my bed in the depths Or if I go up to the heavens You are there If I rise on the wings of the dawn If I settle on the dark side of the sea Even there your hand will hold me fast Even there your hand will guide me You are there You are there I will sing, sing a new song because you love me. I will sing, sing a new song because you're there. I will sing, sing a new song. Because you love me I will sing Sing a new song Because you're there I will sing Sing a new song Because you love me Sing, sing a new song because you're there. I will sing, sing a new song because you love me. Because you love me. I will sing, sing a new song because you're there. Amen. Amen. From Psalm 104, may the glory of the Lord continue forever. The Lord takes pleasure in all he has made. The earth trembles at his glance and the mountains smoke at his touch. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will praise my God to my last breath. May all my thoughts be pleasing to him for I rejoice in the Lord. Let all sinners vanish from the face of the earth. Let the wicked disappear forever. Let all that I am praise the Lord. Pray with me, would you? Father, we thank you. And we do praise you, Lord. We praise you and honor you this morning. We thank you for inviting us into your presence. For each person here, Lord, we know they're not here by accident. For those who are watching online, we thank you that they can this morning. In spite of the technical difficulties and the glitches that happen, Lord, that happens in life and it's just kind of how it is but Lord we know that you are in it and you are working through it and we thank you Father we thank you for the the glitches we've had in our lives this week for those places where just as it's just been hard this week Lord we thank you that you have been in them you are working to redeem them you are working through them Lord we thank you for those places where we've had blessing and victory because we know that we can always find those blessings in the midst of whatever we may be facing. Father, as we go through the remainder of this service, I pray, I pray, Lord, that your spirit would be a tangible presence. I pray, Heavenly Father, that we would walk away from here different than what we were when we came in. Be with Dr. Bartley as he brings the message this morning. We're so glad to have him here. He's been a great friend to the church and to, to us, Lord, and we are privileged to have him here. Speak through him, Lord. We trust that you have laid a word on his heart, and I pray that you would anoint him for this morning, especially. Father, you are a good God. You are good to us, even though it may not seem like it, even though it may not feel like it. And for that, we thank you, we praise you. We give you honor, blessing, glory. 
And we pray these things in your name. Amen. And the peace of the Lord be with you. Very good. Go ahead and take a few minutes and pass the peace amongst yourselves as we anticipate Pastor Rich coming and giving us some announcements. Well, hopefully you got one of the little handouts that lets you know what's going on around here this week. Uh, if you didn't, I see some more back there on the table, back by the offering box and stuff. And, uh, if you'd like at some point uh, to fill one of those, grab one of those little green cards and fill it out, let us know how we can pray for you or thank God with you, and you can just drop it in the offering box back there. Or you can go online to, uh, to livinghope.info slash connect, and you can, do we, have those, uh, do we have those little links we can throw up there? I guess it, we get to see them, but yeah, the people out there don't get to see them. But uh, you can leave us a comment or whatever on Facebook or YouTube. We can go to livinghope.info slash connect. There's a little digital connect card that you can fill out there and let us know how to pray for you or thank God with you. Um, and you guys can do that too right here in the room if you'd like. And you can give online as well, livinghope.info slash give. Uh, seems like that's what most of us do now. Or if you want to give today and you're here in the room, you can just drop it in that box back there. And uh, that'll be a good thing. All right, there are lots of things going on uh, these days. Yesterday might have been the last bike giveaway for the season. They're still trying to decide, that group, if they're going to do one in September or not. Uh, how many, Howard, did you say? You think last year and this year they've given away 100 and... Over 150 bikes given away. Yeah, that's really cool. And... Uh, so yeah, thanks to the, the Odd Fellows here in Valparaiso, they're the group that actually takes the bikes and fixes them up and gives them out and stores them and all of that, and we just get to play host uh, here in our parking lot about once a month. So that's really cool. There's a, a book club that meets here on Tuesday nights at, uh, at 5.30 that is open to folks joining. Uh, you've got that little announcement on the back of your hand out there. They'll start up again, not this Tuesday, but, but the Tuesday after, uh, August 30th. Uh, we've got a birthday party coming up in September, on September 18th. If you'd like to help provide one of the sides for that, uh, we're going to provide the meats and the you know, grilled food and the, <clears throat> the drinks and all that. But uh, if you want to provide like a side dish that day, we're going to have a cookout after the, after the services. And uh, if you want to provide a side dish, we'd love to hear from you so we can kind of coordinate that a little bit so not everybody brings the same you know, bag of chips or whatever. Um, so if you'd like to help provide some of the food on September 18th, uh, we'd love to hear from you. And we're just going to have a nice little, uh, nice little cookout that day. And, uh, and we have some visiting missionaries coming on September the 7th, Wednesday night at 6 o'clock. Uh, the Coles are coming from Sierra Leone. They'll be here to talk about their ministry, and, uh, and that should be a good time, too, if you want to put that on your calendars. So uh, I feel like there was, oh, and this Saturday, that's right, I almost forgot, this Saturday, Respite House is doing a benefit concert uh, that's happening right downtown. It uh, starts at 6.30 is when John Dorado is supposed to get up there. David Wilcox is supposed to get up there at 8. And... Uh, Stacy was just telling me that she was talking to somebody who said, oh, man, downtown's going to be a little crazy. they got David Wilcox coming in. It's a free concert. And I'd never heard of the guy. Scott was telling me about him last night a little bit. And so I got to hear him a little. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he's good. Uh, how was it you were describing him to me last night? I'm trying to remember. Uh, David Wilcox is someone I've been a fan of for about 25 years. And he's someone who has really helped um, shape the way I see the world. Uh, if you go see him, he, he puts on an experience where um, he's going to tie in uh, the crowd, the venue, the, the environment together, and, and you're, you're going to have a moment, right? You're going to leave there with some goosebumps. Um, so I highly recommend that you go. Uh, some of the best concerts I've ever been to in my life. And, uh, and this is all benefiting Respite House, uh, which is, you know, it's uh, transitional housing, I guess. Is that how you describe it? Um, anyway. It's a, it's a ministry here in town, a, a nonprofit here in town, that we've got uh, at least three folks from our church that are all involved on the board and, and uh, several folks who uh, live at Respite House that have been a part of our church. And uh, so this, it's a free concert with, like, donations encouraged kind of a thing. So uh, if you'd like to turn out this Saturday night uh, downtown, it's under the it's, – it's like where the ice skating rink would be in the winter, you know, the Urschel Pavilion down at Central Park Plaza. So you won't be able to miss it uh, if you get down there on Saturday. So uh, – <clears throat> I think that's it for announcements, unless there was something else I was supposed to be talking about that somebody didn't tell me, but I think that's it. All right. Uh, as you might have heard uh, Pastor Judy pray earlier, I'm not bringing the message today. Uh, today we have the chance to hear from our district superintendent in the Church of the Nazarene. We're, uh, you know, this global denomination, and it's all divided up into these geographical regions called districts, and the Northwest Indiana District is overseen by our district superintendent, uh, Dr. David Bartley, and so he's going to come up and bring the word to us here in just a moment, and uh, yeah, come on up, come on up, yeah.
Um, so I'm looking forward to hearing what he has to share with us, and then we get, our, uh, we get to have a board meeting after both the services today with him. Uh, so there's a little bit of accountability that's built into being part of a denomination, right? And so periodically, he gets to meet with the board and with me to make sure we're all on the same page and still happy with the relationship and, and all that good stuff. So uh, we get to do that today, and I'm, I'm looking forward to that. So thank you, Dr. Bartley. I look forward to hearing what God has put on your heart to share with us today. Thanks, Rich. Thanks, good to be with you guys this morning, and uh, as uh, Pastor Rich shared, we get, have the privilege of meeting with your church board uh, later today, so appreciate your prayers as we uh, share some of just together what all God's at work doing uh, here and uh, through you all and in you all. I'm excited to, to have some time with them. I want to share with you this morning from the book of Luke, if you have your scriptures, I encourage you to turn to Luke chapter 13. We have an interesting scenario that uh, uh, is about calendaring, scheduling, and planning. I don't know how many of you all are into all of that, right? Some of you may be familiar with terms like Stephen, names like Stephen Covey or the Franklin Planner and all those kind of things. It's a big deal nowadays still that uh, you've got now as well the, uh, the calendars on your phones and uh, scheduling and planning that it's all done digitally now. It's a big deal, right, in our society. A lot of stuff going on. We have uh, high school and middle school kids, so there's a lot of scheduling that needs to happen in our family. I'm sure some of you are in that same mode, or maybe it's just work schedules or whatever, but uh, Jesus addressed addresses a situation in Luke chapter 13 that actually has something to do with how we schedule and plan life beyond just the details of a calendar. In 13, chapter 13, verse 10, it says this, on a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, as he often did, and a woman there uh, was crippled by a spirit, for, who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years, it says. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leader said to the people, There are six days for work. So come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered him, you hypocrite. Doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? When Jesus said this, all his opponents were humiliated, but the people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing. What an interesting little scenario here. Let's take a moment to explore some of what's happening. <clears throat> Let's take a look at the characters in this situation. We start off with uh, the woman crippled by a spirit for 18 years. The language seems to suggest maybe 35 to 40-year-old woman. Uh, we are talking about someone who, since being a young woman, a young lady, uh, has had this infirmity. The language of crippled and infirmity, Jesus calls, says you're set free from your infirmity, is interesting because the language is really just a, a generic term for weakness or a sickness of some sort. And so we only get the, we only get the, the, the full, fuller description as it says she's been bent over and could not straighten up at all. What's really fascinating to me, I think, is some of the, we don't catch it always in the language where it says she was bent over, could not straighten up. The word for at all is actually a word for completeness or wholeness. And so there seems to be maybe a little play on words that Luke is using as he's sharing this account, that it's not simply that she couldn't straighten up totally, although it does suggest that as well, but there's a sense of completeness or wholeness that is missing in her life. And it's maybe not so much a specific uh, ailment or specific disease that uh, needs to be pointed out here as much as it's that sense of a lack of wholeness in her life that Jesus notices. 
There's another character, though, that I think is important to catch. This is the one that I think where it really starts to hit on some of our calendaring and scheduling life that uh, our society and tends to really push a lot. It's that, it's that indignant synagogue leader. And uh, some of the language he uses is important for understanding what's really the, the point of what's going on here and what's being shared. I hope you noticed, I emphasized it a bit as I was reading, where he talks about he watches, I just like to think about this, where he watches Jesus do something amazing, right? 18 years, this woman has been bent over, and Jesus, in an instant, straightens her up. And yet, he's upset about it. And notice what he says. There's six days for work. I don't know if you noticed that. What he tends to see happening is not an amazing feet of bringing a woman back to wholeness and completeness. What he seems to be, see happening is a job. We've got six days to do that kind of job, he's saying. Why don't you, don't worry about the Sabbath for being healed. Let's, let's take care of that stuff on the six days that we have scheduled and planned, right? Why don't you call my office and we'll set up a time on a Tuesday morning or a Thursday afternoon and we'll just schedule a healing. It seems to be what he's suggesting, right? It's almost like he's saying, look, uh, we, can, we can put the Holy Spirit on our calendar, so let's just do that, all right? Let's not, let's not let this thing flow and get out of hand here and use the Sabbath day to actually bring wholeness to people's lives. Let's put it down on a Wednesday morning, okay? It seems to be what he's suggesting. Doesn't that sound somewhat ludicrous? And the indignance that he seems to be feeling is, I, I, honestly, I struggle to relate on some level. But then I also know that my life as a pastor, your pastor's lives, the lives that we all think of ourselves in the sense of our spirituality and our Christianity, sometimes we do think of that, don't we? Can I just schedule when you're going to work, God? Can I, can I put you on my calendar, God, when, when I want to see things happen? Can I, can I just expect you to show up on these certain times of days and sometimes even, uh, by the way, God, I don't want you showing up at this time of day. And I don't want you showing up on this situation in my life. Right? Don't we sometimes tend to operate that way in our spiritual life? And sometimes as uh, pastors, as church leaders, as people involved in the, the ministry of the church, the work of the church, uh, JoLynn and I have joked over the years that ministry is never convenient, you know, when, when someone passes away, it's never on my schedule, you know. Can we schedule that at another time, you know. Or when someone wants to schedule a wedding, it never fits into my calendar, you know. Or when a situation in someone's life happens and the church needs to come and embrace it and wrap, around, wrap our arms around it, it's never going to be convenient. But it's what we do, right? It's kind of what Jesus is really hitting at here when he starts to address the synagogue leader, and say, well, when your donkey or your, uh, what does he call it, ox or the donkey is, is thirsty, even on a Sabbath, you're going to take it and, and give it drink, right? You're going to take care of those needs. This woman, right in this moment, had a need. I wonder if maybe for Luke, as he's writing this story out, <clears throat> that maybe some of the key parts one of the key parts is when it said, Jesus saw her. Is it possible the synagogue leader didn't even notice her, didn't even see her? But Jesus, in the middle of teaching, in the middle of doing the work that God has called him to do, sees the lack of wholeness. Obviously, there's a character we know of Jesus, right? He seems to be the main character in, in most of the stories we're, we're reading here in the gospel. And so part of what we're to do as we listen to this story, as we read it, as we ponder it, is to, is to think, where do we find ourselves in this? Are we maybe, uh, maybe we're feeling like that woman where life just doesn't feel whole. Maybe we're crippled by something. Maybe not physically, but crippled by by anxiety or depression or fear even. There are things that just keep us from enjoying the fullness of life. Or maybe there are times where we find ourselves like the synagogue leader. 
or things just don't fit into our schedule and it's frustrating. Part of what we hear in this story is the call to, can we see ourselves like Jesus? Can we be like Jesus? Or even in the midst of the busyness, and please understand, I, I schedule things. I got a calendaring system, and I understand all the A's and the B's and the ones and the twos and all that, and it's all good and important. But is there a place to just let the Holy Spirit move and maybe shift that around at times? Is there, am I willing to be like Jesus and see what might be happening around me? There's a, there's a fourth character that I think we need to take a moment to just at least acknowledge. That's the crowd. Came up in the, the last part, especially where those in the crowd who were opposing Jesus were humiliated, but those in the crowd who were delighted with what they were seeing. I don't know, maybe sometimes you say, yeah, I find myself being in the crowd where I'm just standing back and watching. And there's a sense where sometimes we could say, I see all the stuff that God's doing in other people's lives, and there's a, there's a choice I have. Sometimes I see things in people's lives and see God at work and say, man, I wish God was at work in my life. Have you ever found yourself in kind of that mode? And maybe there's something even from the crowd we can learn that says, watch what God is doing in other people's lives, and let's delight in that. I think that's a little bit of, uh, if not a lot, of what the church, what it means to be the church, to see God at work, maybe not in my life, but in the lives of those around us. It's been interesting in my position now as a district superintendent, I'm, I'm off of the front lines, so to speak. I'm not pastoring my own church anymore, and so I'm not in, in relationship with people on a daily, weekly basis. And so in some sense, I often find myself as part of the crowd. Step, I have to step back and hear the stories of what God is doing and hear about where God is at work in the lives of pastors and their churches and it's been a practice that God's been teaching me to delight in that. Yeah, there's going to be moments where I think, man, I wish I could be a part of that. But more than, more than anything, I can celebrate God is at work. Amen? And maybe just to, let me just touch a little bit on the concept of spiritual warfare. Because it seems to be that in the midst of these characters, in the midst of what Jesus is doing and teaching that there's something about spiritual warfare that is important for us to catch. He uses language about being set free. This is language for, for Jesus. He had proclaimed that this was the call, quoting Isaiah when he said, I'm here to, to free the captives and set free the, the oppressed, right? This is very important language for Jesus, but it's also this spiritual warfare type of language of, of loosing the chains and and unbounding someone from a bondage that they have. And it's important to catch the link between this language of set free that he uses for the woman, but and also the language he uses of untie your ox or donkey. It's actually a similar language, similar word. And this is language that we often use in the in the conversation about spiritual warfare. But what I've noticed about our conversations about spiritual warfare, uh, maybe just in the uh, church in America, I may, might say, maybe other countries, is, or, you know, there's different language at times, but uh, some of what I seem to hear is that spiritual warfare is about, about me and the way God is working in my life and the way Satan is attacking me and my life personally. And, and we talk about spiritual warfare in the, in the sense of our own individual circle of life. But what Jesus seems to talk about when he uses this language of spiritual warfare is about the lives of others around him. And I think there's a place, again, there's times where we find ourselves in this, in this kind of story, we find ourselves relating to the woman who we're feeling a lack of wholeness and struggles and challenges. And there is a place for us to call on God and ask for that help and that guidance. And there's a time when we're struggling with our calendaring and our scheduling like the ruler and struggling to where does God fit in all of this and why does he seem to want to upset my schedule and my planning. And there's a place for us to, to call on God to guide us through processing that. But again, the call is always for us to pursue being like Jesus. 
And for us to understand spiritual warfare at its core is not about me, but it's about joining God in setting others free. Yes, there's a place for us to call on God and ask for him to guide us and direct us and give us wisdom and set us free, but there's also this call for us to be a part of setting others free, that spiritual warfare is about us joining in this mission of God to be a part of helping others be free from their bondage. And maybe in all of that, we see some of where God is really trying to speak to us through this little scenario here, is the call to be like Jesus, is to see the lack of wholeness and to be willing to be a part of helping find freedom. I'd like to also just finally hit one little word that Jesus used. And I notice here, and, and I'm using the NIV, I think that's what's printed in your, in your uh, bulletins. And I, don't, I didn't have time to check all the other versions or didn't think about it. But when Jesus uses the, the phrase, you hypocrites, and he's referring to the rulers of the synagogue, and he's uh, speaking you know, then about the, the calendaring and scheduling type of thing that we try to fit the spirit into our schedule. And I, I noticed that there's an exclamation point at that moment. And there's part of me, if you're taking notes, you know, I, you, I would encourage you to scribble out the exclamation point. Because I think we tend to take that phrase in a, an incredibly derogatory sense, right? In our culture, in our day, we use that as a, as a terrible derogatory mar remark. You hypocrite, right? And so therefore it would, in our language, maybe have an exclamation point. But I think for Jesus, in his day, the word, when you understand, you've probably, some of you have heard this, the word hypocrite is actually just a, 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 comes from the language of actors. And so in that context, a hypocrite isn't necessarily somebody who's so incredibly evil and wicked that they deserve an exclamation point when we, when we refer to them but it's really somebody who's simply just pretending to be something they're not. And maybe there's something for us to be alert to as Jesus is referring to the church folk, the leaders in the church, the rulers, and the, those who are in the ministry, saying, let's not be pretenders. Let's not just act like we care about people and then try to fit it into our little schedules. Let's be careful about discovering what it means to really care, to truly care for those. This is the call of God from the beginning when he said to his people back in, in Exodus, he said, I am a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in love, showing mercy to the thousandth generation, forgiving all wickedness and sin. That this is who God is, gracious and compassionate, loving and faithful, and he's calling us to simply be that kind of people. But it's not something that's natural. Maybe you've heard the words like carnal nature, this kind of stuff we throw around in the church sometimes. It's not intended to just mean horrible wickedness as much as it's just intended to mean uh, we all are born into a fallen world and we tend to want to just be all about our self-survival and focused on ourselves. And God spoke through the prophet Jeremiah and the prophet Isaiah uh, when he said, I want to give you a new heart, and I want to put my spirit in you. That to really be the folks who are not just pretending to care, but really have that compassion and that love of God flowing through us, is to be a people willing to surrender ourselves and ask God to shape that in us. This is really, I think, some of the most crucial stuff for us as the church in our culture today. Because our culture has a lot of opportunities. We've shared about some of the things that you guys are already connecting with in, society, in, our, in our local society here. Opportunities to show that we care and to do, be a part of projects and to, to get involved in, in a, a certain activity or a certain group and to be involved in showing care towards others. But what's unique about the church is the call to really have that shaped in us, to not just get involved with it and spend a little time and put it on our schedules, although that's important. But to end that, in those activities, when we get involved in those activities, to be praying the prayer, God, use this 
to shape it in me, not just put it on my calendar, but to become that gracious and compassionate person that he call me, that you call me to be. And, and really in the church, that's at the heart of, of our message. God wants to shape that in you. Through those activities, get involved. Be a part of these, uh, these networking and associations and connections and be a part of the activities and the events. But in it, pray that prayer. God, shape that in me. So I'm not just putting it on my calendar. That I can truly be like you, Jesus, for the world around me. And that's really just where I want to encourage us to take a moment to pause in prayer and reflect on that personally. You know, we come into the, to the word, we've got to be willing to respond to it. So just take a moment to reflect. What, maybe there's a word or phrase that stood out to you. Get, pay attention to that. The Holy Spirit speaking to you. Maybe there's something that I share that God's been laying on my heart that, that uh, he needed you to hear. Let's just take a moment to close our eyes and reflect in prayer together. What does this need to look like for you this week? That Father, maybe there's someone here this morning that says they relate to that woman and just feeling that sense of incompleteness and a lack of wholeness and fullness in their lives. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would be very close right now to those. Whisper into their hearts that you're there with them. And perhaps even this morning, Father, I pray that you would bring a fullness and wholeness right here and now as you can. Or maybe someone this morning would say, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm relating to that synagogue ruler, actually. I've been trying to schedule God into my life. I've been trying to put the Holy Spirit on my calendar, and sometimes it just disrupts things, and it just makes a mess. And God, I just pray that this is an opportunity to realize we need to surrender our calendars to you, Jesus. It's important to put things down and schedule, and yet it's also important to allow you, Holy Spirit, to move in your timing. Or maybe somebody this morning, that for those that are finding themselves in the crowd just watching God work in everybody else's life and wondering, is God ever going to work in my life? Maybe today, God, is just a time for us to celebrate. Can we just take a moment to delight in you, God. And know that there's a time that you work in each of our lives and there's a time where we watch you work in others. But for all of us, Father, our, our desire, let these moments of calendaring or even in incompleteness or just watching from the crowd, may these be moments that we keep praying. Shape that in us. That when we have an opportunity, Jesus, to be like you, when we see the need around us in someone's life or in our society, that we're willing to take that step. As this church has been doing this for years and continuing, I hear some of these stories, God, it's so exciting. And to know these are opportunities for each one here this morning to get connected into a chance to share and care for those around us. May we be willing to step into those all along praying that prayer. Jesus, shape that compassion, that grace in our hearts. Give us a new heart. Put that spirit of compassion and grace, your spirit, in us, Lord. Not just for our good and finding some sense of personal fulfillment, but more importantly, for your glory, Lord, to share you with those around us that they might take those steps and pray those prayers as well. That we see the transformation of our society happening in the, through the transformation of one person at a time, surrendering to you and allowing you to shape and mold for your glory and your kingdom. In Jesus, your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Pastor Rich is going to come and lead us in, the, in your concluding time and I just encourage you to be reminded the most important thing we do on Sunday mornings, really, is leave the church. It's great and important to gather and to be reminded of who we are and whose we are, all so that we can go out and be Christ to the world. Let's reflect on that as we conclude today. Thank you, Dr. Partley.
Would you join me in praying the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. As we prepare to move toward the celebration of communion, would you bow your heads with me in prayer? God, we are so grateful for the love and the grace that you've shown us in your son, Jesus Christ. Uh, Thank you for meeting us at our point of need. Uh, There's not a single one of us that uh, can claim any sort of right to be here or or, uh, that can kind of elbow our way forward to, to your table. But instead, we are all here by your gracious invitation because you have come to us in our need, our need of your grace, our need of your healing, our need of your forgiveness. We thank you that out of love for us, you came to us, entered into our broken mess to bring us your healing, to take our death and to give us your life, to conquer uh, our foe and to set us free from Uh, from sin and death and the devil. As we put our trust in you, we find ourselves forgiven and free. So today, God, we offer to you these gifts of bread and juice, and we pray that by your Spirit's presence here, we might meet our crucified and risen Savior in his body and in his blood. We offer you ourselves, acknowledging our need, uh, confessing to you that we have not always loved you with our whole heart, soul, mind, strength. We have not always loved our neighbors as ourselves. We we just have not lived the life you created us to live. And we thank you, God, that you are gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. We thank you that your word is true when you say if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just and forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You wipe our slate clean. You embrace us as your sons and daughters. You give us the gift of your Holy Spirit to guide us and to lead us and empower us to live a new way, to be uh, both recipients and carriers of your grace and your love into the world. Thank you, God, for your invitation to come and to celebrate your love at the table of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Uh, as the musicians come and, uh, and lead us in one last song, uh, I've asked Pastor Judy if she would come and, and serve the elements today. Uh, she'll be here with a basket of bread and a cup of juice. And as we sing, we're invited to come forward, take bread from the basket, dip it in the juice and eat it, and then return to our seats. Uh, it's open to all of us who are saying yes to Jesus today. Uh, no matter what your life circumstances, no matter uh, what your experiences with church, if today you're hungry for God's grace, if you're grateful for his love, uh, then you are invited to his table. We've got the, the regular bread and the little gluten-free wafers. And we've got the little uh, individually wrapped uh, communion deals you can take back to your seat and, and uh, peel back to get to the bread and the juice. Or if you don't want to get so close to folks uh, to join the procession, I think we've got those on the tables, and you can celebrate there as well. Uh, but let's give thanks to God for the love he's shown us in his son, Jesus Christ.
Thank you again, God, for the love you've shown us in your son, Jesus Christ. Fill us today with the spirit of Christ so that as we leave this place, we go as your kids, as your body, as your hands and your feet, carrying your grace to those you send us to this week. Thank you, God. Thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen.